0: Professor Hanchett talked about marketing and communications. Today, we're going to be talking about stakeholders, public relations, and marketing campaigns. Uh, to piggyback off of the broader topic of marketing and communications. And I was inspired by Professor Hanchett's ID that he showed up, and so I thought I'd pull out my personal brand. So like he said, once that picture's taken, it's there for eternity. And, uh, <laughs> This is me, my freshman year at Berkeley. (coughs) Ideas have changed a little bit. But yeah, that was my coming in as a freshman. And you you hear of Berkeley being this liberal, radical place. And you always wonder, does it have an effect on the students? And shortly after I graduated, here's what I turned into. (coughs) And, you know, it did. It had a very transformative effect on me. And so, but then, and so actually my, my Facebook profile picture was this picture for a number of years, just because it was a fun one. But then when I went on the job market to get a faculty position. I thought, well, if a potential employer stalks me on Facebook to find out who is this applicant, I didn't think that they'd want to have this, see that be their their first image or impression of me. And so I took it down. It's still on my Twitter account, but my Twitter account isn't very active. But anyways, uh, it is kind of interesting. Your your IDs are one way to express yourself and have fun with your personal brand and what you want your identity to be. So stakeholders, this is going to be one section for your knowledge. Nonprofits startup. We touched on this at the beginning of the semester, but I want to sort of dig more deeply into it because you're going to be writing about it and thinking about it in the context of your organization. And even, especially as you talk about marketing, what Professor Hanchett talked about was who is your audience. And with nonprofits and with any organization, you have multiple audiences that you're trying to market to and that you're trying to appeal to. And and that's basically stakeholders, people who have a stake in the success or failure of your organization. And so it's good to know, okay, who are the people out there? Who are the audiences? It isn't just one audience that you're trying to appeal to, but it's multiple audiences. And sometimes they have competing values or competing priorities that make it difficult to actually know how to sort of message your things that you're promoting. You think of SPIA, you know, they have multiple audiences, they have faculty, and what appeals to a faculty member might not necessarily appeal to a student, a potential student. It might not appeal to, <coughs> to students, it might not appeal to high-income donors. And so, those are all key players in SPIA being successful, but they have different things that they're interested in, different priorities or things that would appeal to them. So when we think about stakeholders, for your organization. And we've touched on this before, but who, when you think about your organization that you're starting up, who are some of the key stakeholders and why do you see them as important stakeholders for your organization? Yeah. Customers, the people that come. So and say your organization again. The good bar. The good bar, okay. Yeah,
1: so working with potential...
0: The clients. Yeah, Thank the
1: you. people that are nice. yeah, Get a job. Uh, yeah.
0: Yes. Okay. So clients is probably a good, a respectful way to not the unemployed people. <laughs> okay. So the potential clients and finding them even and letting them know about your organization. Other stakeholders, just as you think about like, yeah, we really need to engage
2: this population. Yeah. Wherever the community like, of your organization is located. Okay. So you're expanding the brand. Yeah. So ours would be just like local, local community. Okay because, like, not only are we just reaching out to or targeting clients, but, like, it's, like, an arts organization representative of Bloomington, so,
1: like...
2: Well, and so, really, for you guys, you would need to engage
0: the indie music industry, like, that whole community, which isn't just in Bloomington, but it's around the world, ultimately. Like, that's a... But it's a community that self-identifies or that, you know, almost, where does that community congregate or where the spaces online or even you know concert or venues where they fairs, where they bring in a lot of independent music artists and stuff. So not only local, but then thinking broadly. Other stakeholders that you can think of when you think about your
3: organization. Yeah. I was thinking maybe possible collaborators. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like so, who would be possible collaborators? I know we talked about collaborating with the music school. Okay.
0: Yeah, that would be essential for our organization. Sure. So yeah, again, so like the Jacob School has an interest in the success of expand the brand. Mm-hmm and also you know, potentially their students utilizing the resources of Expand the Brand and just sort of promoting music in general at IU and in Bloomington. So again, it's a, the it's a state quarter. Now, Jacobs School might not even have no idea that Expand the Brand exists, and who are the key players within Jacob School that, you know, are the gatekeepers that would allow you to Span- keep your word out. Yeah, allow you to expand your brand. Yeah, you guys need to do branding for your own brand. That's good. <laughs> good. Eric? I would say just like the donors, like give money to our organization. Okay, yeah. And so in your organization, are you a good bar? No.
2: No, yeah. we're
0: the schools in Nicaragua. Okay. So yeah, the potential donors, like donors in the U.S., donors in Nicaragua, or like... Well,
2: whoever, whoever pretty much like gives, Money to further our organization like we would want to keep them up to date on like how many kids graduated that year like mm-hmm. stuff like that sure I know like some of the organizations i used to like just volunteer for they have like updated email uh-huh like each year sure that's a good strategy to like keep them up to date
0: yeah yeah well and and if you think about donors the way that Foundations typically work. They have focuses where, you know, they deal explicitly with health-related issues or they deal explicitly with uh, employment, underemployment, or some of them do education. And so it's like, okay, who are the key foundations out there that fund international education initiatives? And that's what they do. And so you target them and actually then getting to know the people, the program officers of those foundations and basically court them, you know, say, hey, here's what we're doing, keeping them up to date on your activities with the idea that hopefully one day that they would invest in Bluefields Academy. So yeah, so the donors are a key stakeholder that they're not the recipients of your services, but in order to have your services happen, if you don't have them, Bluefield Academy won't happen. Any other stakeholders in this whole realm that, that we haven't covered, types of stakeholders that, that would be good to consider? Any of you where like it'd be important where the government, whether it be the local government, state government, would potentially influence the, the success of your organization? Like if you don't have their support or endorsement, your organization wouldn't function or it'd struggle to? Which ones are in schools? Are any in schools, like public schools?
3: Our just the music
0: program. Okay, so the Priya. So what public <coughs> officials or government officials would be stakeholders for Priya And teachers and principals and superintendents are public officials. Okay. Yeah. So, so I guess it would be like the principals of the schools that we
1: would wanna because
4: ours would be an after yeah. school program so we would need their permission to come in. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I guess the schools that we wanted to be affiliated
0: with. Sure. Yeah. So I mean so again, when I say government it's like yeah, public schools are part of the government employees, they're state employees. And so thinking through like there's many more stakeholders than we'd realize and even for your assignment it's part of identifying all those potential stakeholders. And we sort of covered this, why might they be interested in your organization's success? They, the basic thing is that they all have different interests. So like the Jacobs School doesn't need expand the brand. Like their brand has been expanded well, but they want to see expand the brand be successful because they want to promote, they want to make sure that their students Music and artistic talent is being promoted and that there's opportunities for each of the students to do it Like You guys aren't the only player in town You don't need to be the only player in town, but having you in the mix is beneficial Same with like things like Priya, the music education. It's like, oh wow If there's, if there's a group out here a nonprofit that wants to supplement the activities that we're doing or where we're falling short That would be beneficial to us. And so again, there's helping even these stakeholders to see the value added that you bring to this sphere, to this arena, is important to sort of appeal to the stakeholders. Same with donors. You know, we, we had this idea that they give money, but they're very interested in making sure that they invest their money well. Like, they're not just sort of sitting there say, well, let's give money and let's see who the lucky person is today. They have very serious metrics of trying to vet the organizations to make sure the money that they give actually accomplishes the mission of the foundation. So the idea is if you can convince them, like, hey, actually we're a legitimate organization, we have a track record of doing high quality service, and so when you invest the money, there's a very high chance that we're actually gonna do what we promise to do in our organization. So again, helping the, sta- each of the each of the different stakeholders have different interests and convincing them the value that your organization adds or how you will help them accomplish their mission. So for the section of the stakeholders, basically you need to describe five different stakeholders and explain why they'd be interested in your organization's success. So it isn't like naming five foundations you know, and say, okay, there we have it's more like thinking about funders, government, clients, maybe volunteers. There's probably others that I can't think of right now. But basically you need to identify five relevant stakeholders. Yeah.
2: Would, like, interns be a stakeholder or like, students interested in interning for your... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, you couldn't say, we need interns, volunteers, employees, like, because that's all basically people who are going to be service providers, so you just need to pick one of those. But you could say interns would be a stakeholder. Basically, I don't want you to overlap, you know, and just sort of cheat and say, well, here's five different ways to say volunteer, but really, I want to force you to think, who are all the players? So. For you, it could be Jacobs School would be one stakeholder and then musicians would be another. So yeah, we didn't really talk. I guess we did a good part, but one key stakeholder that is more obvious is the recipients of your service. They're clearly a stakeholder. But if you're working with kids, then it would be the parents of the recipients is another stakeholder that sometimes gets overlooked. So, you know, the section is marketing and communications, but really a, a part of it, and the book doesn't mention it very much, but public relations... Is a huge part of marketing and communications for an organization. Public relations is sort of the the public perception of your organization and in marketing and communication frames or sort of designs what your public reputation is, but public relations is sort of this ongoing interaction with the public. It's how your organization is relating to the broader public, how it's relating to all these different stakeholders, and it's the interaction between your organization and the public. And so it's all all nested within marketing and communication. Some of you ask like, well, what's the difference between marketing and communications and now I'm adding another term of public relations? It's all this is related to like, what's the public perception of your organization? Like how well is it known? Like if you have no, if like people don't even know about your organization, that's not a very good thing. If they have a poor impression of your organization, that's something you need to change. And so, and to clarify, like marketing for most part is actively like spending the dollars. It's think about advertising is, is sort of what marketing is. Communication is in a sense free advertising in the sense that if you send out newsletters or press releases or statements like you're not sort of paying to put that in put that in an online ad or put it on a school bus but it's just you're communicating you're sort of having a steady flow like Twitter is a form of communication it's marketing and it's public relations but it's cost-effective you know it's stuff that you're already doing that you're just getting the word out marketing is basically when spia says okay we want to put billboards up we want to pay money to people to get our name out there and public relations occurs with both of these things it occurs with marketing and it occurs with communications some of the things that I think about with public relations is this idea of humble self-promotion so can you think of examples where someone is really good, and they know they're really good, and by the fact that they act like they're really good, your impression of them kind of diminishes. Can you think of examples, like broadly, it could be individuals, it could be organizations where you're like, okay, I, I know you're good, but when you present yourself in that way, it just kind of reduces the quality of the good, yeah. I'm kind of Okay, in what way is like?
2: Uh, I'm pretty much an asshole in the media's perception. Uh-huh. So, but like quality of art is pretty
0: good. Yeah. So the product is actually really good, but his sort of promotion, self-promotion, diminishes the public
1: perception of his work. Yeah. Frame. I think a lot of the times when you're looking at celebrities in such different fields and stuff, they off camera or off script, they're a total different person than they yeah. are on camera and when people see them because that's the image they're going with. Uh-huh. And really, behind the scenes, they want to make a great product, they have to be an asshole or I yeah. see be someone else there or they're, you know, not uneducated in a way to be able to pre- present themselves in a positive manner. Sure. And then some news releases and media coverage <clears throat> do pull that out. Picks up on it, yeah. But sometimes they have all these people that they pay to push that down. Sure,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, one one example is like Steve Jobs running Apple. Amazing organization, but over time it comes out like he was a really hard person to work with and his family life was, was struggling. And so there is, you know, sort of the private life of the person might not reflect the public life, but then also you have people that bolster this public perception of you. I mean, so and that's, and in some ways, marketing. Can you think of examples of people or organizations where they do high-quality stuff, excellent stuff, but their self-promotion is a, in, a, in a more humble posture or one that's like, it actually elevates, it, you actually become even more impressed with them because not only are they doing high-quality work, but they're not all about themselves. Does that make sense? Like, Can you think of people where it's like, it, your impression of them increases because of the way that they do self-promotion. Yeah.
5: That just kind of it reminds me of when we had that conversation about high performing people. Mm-hmm. The people that work really hard and they get rewarded for what they do, but they don't brag about it. Mm-hmm. And they stay busy, but they don't
1: brag about sure. how busy they are. Yeah. And they get a lot accomplished. Yeah, no, that's
0: a, that's a very good criteria, this idea of bragging about it. like, So what's interesting, with SPIA becoming you know, getting the number one ranking. When we go out into these events where there's other schools and stuff, um, actually, it's interesting. SPIA advertises it, I think, a little too much. And it's sort of like if, if you were Harvard and you said, you know, kept going around saying, we're the number one, we're the number one. Well, people know that Harvard is good. You don't need to remind people. And that some of these public events like SPIA will remind people, like, hey, we're number one. Now, everyone, you know, in this little world, everyone knows that SPIA got number one ranking. So it's better, in my impression, to not say anything. Just to be a humble servant in this field or to continue to do high quality work versus reminding people i guess when you feel like you need to remind people that is somewhat of an indication of insecurity like did you forget that you know or like aren't we great like clap for me we're number you know it's like you actually don't need to do that and when you do do that that diminishes the quality of your accomplishments or the public perception of it it's sort of like oh yeah it's them It's that guy from Harvard or, you know, impressions like that. Can you think of organizations, nonprofits in particular, which just are doing high quality stuff and yet they're not sort of self-aggrandizing in some ways? Any nonprofit organizations where you're like, wow, they're just that's just a top notch quality organization. Like they're doing good stuff, but they're not like all about themselves or self-promotion.
4: I think, like, in um, Bloomington, the Lotus Festival is kind of like that. Because
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
4: um, you don't really hear much about them, like, from themselves, but people, they really rely on, like, word of mouth. And uh-huh. I think that's really interesting because they don't promote themselves as much, unless uh-huh. you don't hear it. Sure. Um, then when people use it in, like, studies and they talk about it as one of Bloomington's best yeah. um, attractions.
0: Sure. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, again, yeah, I mean, in many ways, it's... it's doing high-quality stuff and not spending much time on self-promoting, because whenever anyone comes up to your organization, tries to convince you that they're great, you're automatically suspicious. Like, you're just kind of like, why are you working so hard to, you know, convince me that you're more than you are, uh, versus people discovering you and saying, wow, you're this is pretty
1: impressive. Brandon? Being so involved in dancing I thought thought, you probably also for children, Yeah, I think they do a fantastic job. the with- they're not the ones who are promoting themselves as much, but sure. the organizations that come and support them and donate all the money uh-huh. to the to Riley Hospital sure. that are the ones that are doing their promotion and yep. the ones that are bragging of how great they are. Uh-huh. It, but there's so many new doctors from all over the world and the country that come because uh-huh. of the research that's done in the hospital yeah. up in Indianapolis. Yeah. So in that, oh, this is perfect. You
0: segue into my next thing. Let others promote your organization. So, do any of you have friends who are just really good promoters of others? Like, you know, when you do an accomplishment, or yeah, Bryce, yeah, I got a real good friend. His name is uh, Anthony, and he,
3: uh, my goodness, he's the type of person who will just promote you. Like, and, like you cannot forget it. If he's promoting something, which we're in this organization together, it's called Release the Cure, and when we first created it, like, he would go around and he would literally just hound you to come out to the call out meetings and everything. And it's actually a good thing because we had a great turnout. And then the majority of the people that showed up was from the people that he talked to. But he's the type of person who just does not take no for an answer. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you could say, I'm thinking about it. He you don't need to do that to have, like, He would just have you forever. So And you like it. I mean it feels cool. Sure. Oh, yeah, it's like it's a good I feel like it's a really good trait to have. Mm-hmm. I mean it it could be a bit annoying sometimes, but I mean when you're looking to get the job done and Hey, he gets the job done. Sure. And I think about it in
0: the context, like, let's say you're on the job market, you're looking for jobs, and you landed three really good interviews. Now, if you go around saying, you know, hey, I got three interviews, like, it feels like bragging, or it's like, okay, that's cool, I guess. But if your friend says, hey, did you hear that Brandon got three interviews? I mean, that's pretty awesome. Like, that's really cool. Three of them, all three of them in D.C. or in New York or in Chicago or something like that. like Because in a sense, that's a good accomplishment and you want to promote that and want that to be known. Like, hey, you're a highly sought-after job candidate. But if you self-disclose it, it comes off wrong. Whereas if others are promoting you and advocating for you, then you know your quality of your work gets out. But it's not like, look at me, clap for me, aren't I great? It's more others are pointing to you, and that, in a sense, adds credibility to the accomplishment. So if you're always saying, look at how great I am, it doesn't count for much, but if other organizations are coming in and saying, you know, singing your praises of what you've accomplished, then that actually bolsters your credibility. And I say this in the context of, you know, right now it's let others promote your organization, but really, I think the key is, is being a promoter of other organizations, for yourself. And so think about this, you know, we know how it it feels when people are promoting us, it feels good. And so if you turn the table and if your organization or you as an individual are actively promoting other organizations, that will serve you well because that creates a culture of promoting organizations. So a lot of times I'll meet with people up at IUPUI. IUPUI has this sort of little sibling syndrome compared to IU. And for me, and this is in all honesty and, and genuineness, I, whenever I meet someone from IUPUI, I say, IUPUI is the university of the future, you know, in the sense that it's in an urban location, it's very cosmopolitan, much more diverse than IU Bloomington, And I talk about all the innovative things that IUPUI is doing and promoting that institution. And what you sense is from people like, yeah, like it it bolsters their esteem and their view of of the university and thinking about, you know, how they feel about being a part of that organization. And that would be true of other, you know, since other competitors in the field is what are you doing as an organization to promote them? And so it's not sort of like this, this game of like, well, if I can push you down, then that'll elevate me. Instead, it's, am I about promoting others? Because if you're promoting others, chances are they'll come around and promote your work too because they see you as an advocate. Just like your friend who's promoting the stuff that you're doing, if that person does something, you're naturally gonna be inclined to pay back you know, that promotion. So this idea, these are all sort of soft skills of humble self-promotion and then promoting others or sort of allowing others to promote your stuff. And related to that is cultivating positive associations. And this is an asset that nonprofits can have that they they underutilize or underrealize that a lot of times people will want to be associated with your nonprofit because of the positive associations that come with it. So think about what are some nonprofits that you could potentially volunteer to work with, whereas if you put that on your resume, that actually is an asset because of the positive associations Of that nonprofit, can you think of different things, nonprofits that you could be affiliated or work with that would have positive associations? Yeah.
5: Well, I know the Boys and Girls Club. They partner with AmeriCorps and have AmeriCorps staff members because that way they get more funding mm-hmm. and then it also looks good.
0: Sure. Yeah. So being a part of AmeriCorps or even Boys and Girls Club there's positive associations with that. Like that actually you know if, if an employer is looking at your resume and they see your involvement you know with AmeriCorps or Boys and Girls Club that will bolster the impression of you. Like oh okay wow this is you know, that's a more well-rounded person. There's there's positive associations. Any other organizations that come to mind that you can see? Yeah. Maybe like Habitat for Humanity.
2: Okay, yeah. Just because they have like one of the most recognizable brands, I think, of nonprofit ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like really any recognizable brand would be good because I mean, the employer kind of is already like familiar with maybe their mission, like maybe what you've done there. Yeah.
0: So you say any recognizable brand, what if it like is... That's re- That's positive. Okay. Because I had a friend... He's actually at SPIA, who is deciding whether or not to go work for the Clinton Foundation. So he's a philanthropy foundation type worker and he wants to go into that field. And he's like, What's the public perception of the Clinton Foundation? Now it's it's an amazing foundation, it's doing great things, but it's also very partisan and and there's associations with it where it's like, do I want that um you know, do I want that to be my internship and my experience? And so And that was tricky because like in that case, I mean half the population I would get it like oh that's cool sure yeah, yeah.
1: wow you're a group
0: yeah. Like there, it, it could evoke very different reactions. Whereas like Habitat for Humanity is a great example where who's against Habitat for Humanity? I mean, it's very low animosity towards Habitat for Humanity. And even think of the founder and president, Jimmy Carter, you know, he's an example of this humble self-promotion. Like you think of like, you know, he was the president of the United States and he could be doing whatever he wants. And he's one of the leaders of one of the biggest international non-profits, but it's it's in a very humble way, and basically other people are promoting Habitat. You know, all the people who volunteer are just singing Hey, this is a great organization. So the positive associations, and that's, you know, as your organization grows, that's actually an asset that you can leverage that, like, by having people involved with your organization, it'll bolster their reputation. And so, and then also, what are the other organizations that you want to be associated with or affiliated with? But then... As we saw, like, Clinton Foundation, there's some where you're like, oh, we might not want to become affiliated with this type of organization. Like, can you think of examples where the association might be negative in terms of public relations, where you're potentially collaborating and, yeah, NRA. NRA, okay, in what ways, like, how would you see, like, so NRA wants to fund, what's your organization again? Food Life.
2: NRA wants to be a major donor to Food Life. Uh, Well, that'd be tricky because I know there's a high crime rate in Detroit, Uh so that could look bad Uh for a lot of community members or some of the religious leaders or some of those who are affected by the crime.
0: Yeah. So there's, you know, you you have to be selective in who you Partner with or collaborate with. I think one of the, wasn't one of the nonprofits in the news, the pharmaceutical company that was going to donate, you guys remember? Yeah, Yeah. Donated yeah. a million prescriptions. Yeah, it was like, okay, and they they turned down the donation because of sort of what the associations with that might be, or it'd be like endorsing, or what was it, just in the news, Coca-Cola underwrites a lot of children hospitals, like they're a sponsor of these children hospitals, and so there's these propositions to tax sodas and Coke and stuff like that and so and it's by these doctors who are saying yeah we need to tax sugary beverages or whatever and yet then Coca-Cola's in there supporting the children's hospital like giving them millions and millions of dollars and so there's these conflicts even in SPIA I think I've mentioned this where one of the faculty members got a research grant from the Coke Brothers Foundation and so the Coke Brothers are known to be climate change deniers so it's that's part of their platform is that they don't believe in climate change, and so how can the School of Public and Environmental Affairs, which is addressing issues related to climate change, what does that do when, when we take money from an organization that is, you know, basically saying that climate change isn't happening, it's a big parse. And so there's associations where it can actually, just by being associated with them, can damage your your brand or your identity. So there's positive associations, but also negative associations that can pull you down. And then so another part of this public relations, and this is all just sort of this ongoing management of how are you being perceived by the broader public? You know, so it's who are you associated with, what type of public perception do people have. And I would say a big thing is capitalizing on, on big wins. So if you think of, it's basically when there's big accomplishments or things like efforts where you've done a lot of good, the tendency a lot of times the organization is to just move on to the next thing it's like because you're just so focused on you know moving forward that you forget about sort of capitalizing like hey this was a big accomplishment we need to let our people know and so can you think of examples at IU which have been big wins for the university or things within the university that it's like that makes us look good like you know oftentimes we have negative stuff so yeah I think
1: the biggest and easiest look
0: at is our sports
1: okay yeah so especially with the olympics uh-huh and, yes um especially the swimmers and divers uh-huh so well yeah and having so many other athletes there i mean we were well, the we were the 11th country in uh-huh. the uh-huh uh-huh medal race yeah and, and uh, having the basketball team do so well mm-hmm. and the football team making it to a bowl game sure and so on you know yeah other sports have done really really well yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah especially the the olympic sports meaning non-football or, or or basketball, like there are some big accomplishments that could go unnoticed. Like unless people are like featuring and spotlighting these athletes, especially the ones who are going to the Olympics, and capitalizing on that of just you know, shining a light on this aspect of IU. Because a lot of times if you think about it, not just IU but any organization, when it makes the news, it's Often for something bad. I mean that's what sells is it bleeds and so like let's get on there and you know the fraternity just did something or there was crime or there was you know and so the default is the negative stuff makes the headlines and so this is what are some of the good things that I is doing or that's going on. Can you think of another one? Yeah. Um so that gonna I capitalize on,
4: I think art um very established alumni. Mm-hmm. Like everyone always talks about more Cuban uh-huh. or just like people who get like honorary degrees from IU that are famous or that people sure. really hone in on them. I think that's something that they do really well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and even if you if you walk through the halls of Svia, you know, the TV screens oftentimes will spotlight what a student is doing. Like a student that went on you know a spring break trip down to Nicaragua or uh, Guatemala or different activities or like the DC program and it's just sort of so that the the pictures or the images in your mind are ones of the good that IU is is doing or that SPIA is doing. And so it's, it's all these things where it's like, rather than just sort of moving on, it's capitalizing on those and sort of highlighting them and promoting them, not in like a over the top way, but just making sure there's a steady stream of positive messaging of your organization that's going out and highlighting those things. Because the tendency again is to not and the reason why I say capitalize on them, it's because they already happen. You don't have to fabricate them. Like They happen, and so you just need to then spotlight them and, you know, make the most of them uh, for your organization. And so, again, these are all like, you know, think about the news and the media and public perceptions. And so there's a difference between writing the story versus reacting to the story. And so a good example I can think of is so on campus, there's tons of construction and people don't like construction. And, you know, there's pathways that you're used to taking and all of a sudden they get blocked or traffic is backed up. And and so there's just construction. You know, what was interesting with IU recently, they've written the story by, you see these banners, like fencing things where it says philanthropy at work. Have you noticed those? So IU went ahead of the game, and instead of reacting to all of these negative things about, oh, construction, they framed it in the context of philanthropy at work. And when you look at that, you're like, it just changes your impression of construction. I mean, it really does, and maybe it doesn't for you, but it does for me when I'm like, one, it's like, IU's getting money, IU's growing, this is good. Like it's a positive, like this is gross. Versus just having a chain link fence and being blocked from going to where you want to go And then people ranting of saying, you know, why is all this construction going on? Why can't they do it in the summertime or whatever? And so what I find interesting is if you can write the story and sort of frame what people's perception of it is, then you have better control over the public relations or public perceptions. Whereas the tendency is to not to try and lay low until someone sort of says something like you're kind of scrambling to to deal with it. So like with the Koch brothers, This is maybe a bad example. The Koch brothers made this contribution. It was known to the SPIA administration, but it was just gonna kind of lay low. And then all of a sudden some alumni, uh, SPIA alumni found out about it and they're like, you know, I heard that there's this donation, what's that? And so they started a Facebook group and started basically a protest group of SPIA saying, you know, the value of our degree has been diminished because you're taking money from climate change deniers. And so all of a sudden there's this momentum Against SPIA, and this was hurting SPIA's reputation. And so, what SPIA and what you know, Professor Hanschett had, had to deal with, he said like 50% of his job is putting out fires, and this was like a major fire because he's like, We're like scrambling to respond to this to sort of rein in, rein control back into the, the story of this. Because, yes, the co brothers did contribute, but also relative to the amount of money that comes into SPIA, it was a very small amount, and yet it was being presented as like 50% of the funding that comes. To spias from you know groups that we wouldn't want to be associated with. And so if you're spending all of your time reacting to stories, then you're spending a lot of you know energy and resources just to get back to neutral. Whereas this idea of writing the story is a way of anticipating, okay, what are gonna be some challenges or obstacles that come up for our organization. And then so related to that is, is responding to negative press. Can you guys think of examples where people have responded poorly to negative press happens? We we make mistakes. Everyone's gonna make a mistake. Organizations are gonna make mistakes. People are gonna make mistakes. So you can't have a strategy of, I'm not gonna make a mistake. Like, you have to recognize, okay, I am gonna make mistakes, our organization is. Can you think of
2: examples where it's been done poorly? Recently, Tim Burton was called out for not having enough Colored people in his films, Uh and so he came out and pretty much was like, oh, well, I never said anything negative against black exploitation films, Uh Uh but then everyone was like, oh, well, those were intended for a certain audience, Mm -hmm. Um, especially back then when you had such a dominant white movie, movie companies were dominant white, and so people expected him to Mm -hmm. apologize in a different way. Yeah. would look negatively as far as people going to see the movie who don't agree with him.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just the the way you know, he they're they're looking for a response. And, and so you and it's very hard to give a good you know it has to be genuine I mean if you're trying to skirt the issue it doesn't work and then you think of examples where it actually was done very well like and I'll give one negative another negative example that relates to the nonprofits is when Lance Armstrong was caught for doping you know if you remember back the saga and so here he is I mean this is a multi-million dollar foundation the Livestrong Foundation so it wasn't just about Lance but that his entire organization was sinking and the way that he handled it was so poorly. Like it just, I mean, it's just this vehement denial until he could no longer deny it. And then it was finally like, okay, yeah, but everyone does it and it just it, everything kind of crumbled. Can you think of
2: examples where they, it actually was done in a high-quality way? Michael Phelps, I would say like, I don't think he ever really had to verbally address the media but like the whole thing about like marijuana. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then he comes to the Olympics and it, like does his thing again. So sure. I guess that's the way to
1: like reverse that negative press
3: on him. Is to perform well again? Yeah,
2: Possibly,
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I think Burger King uses that social media in a way that responds to negative press. Huh. I remember it was a point in time was scrolling on Burger King's uh, site, or I remember people used to post on their wall about like burger that they had that was terrible or anything, and they would respond immediately uh-huh. by saying, you know, we're sorry for the incident or whatever had happened. Email us right away so we can, you know, have some type of compensation or something uh-huh. like that. So I feel like that was a great way to. A tag negative pressing yeah. to kind of like just compensate the needs of everybody <laughs> yeah and respond directly yeah
4: um, this is similar to that and I'm still unsure if it actually was Campbell's that responded this or just like someone who goes by like Campbell's Soup uh-huh. um, someone had written on Facebook about how the Campbell's Soup commercial that portrayed a gay couple was like bad and it like disgusted them or something and then Campbell's responded and said like we're sorry that you feel that way like maybe you should try a can of our Campbell's chicken noodle soup to warm your cold." dead heart <laughs> and like it was just so perfect that if it was Cam- if it was Campbell's like good job uh-huh. and that I
0: think
4: was like it wasn't like sorry but it was like standing up like in a different way it was like standing up for what they believe in sure. yeah, yeah. which I think is like you don't have to be sorry if you get like negative press uh-huh, if, it's, uh-huh. if it's what you believe sure like, yeah and so that it can be negative too like if you stand up it's- for your negative like beliefs mm-hmm. but I don't think that
0: like you always need to say you're sorry you don't need to cave to. you don't need to compromise. Right. Your position.
2: And, and so that's a good example. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite ones, I to looked it up because so I don't know exactly what it said. But when the Red Cross social media specialist tweeted, they thought they were tweeting to in their personal account. Uh-huh. They were actually tweeting to their like 300,000 followers uh-huh. uh, for the Red Cross. And they said, Ryan found two more four bottle packs of dogfish heads, Midas touch beer. When we drink, we do it right. Hashtag getting slizzard. <laughs> <laughs> so An hour later, They deleted the tweet, and the Red Cross tweeted out and said, we've deleted the rogue tweet, but rest assured the Red Cross is sober, and we've confiscated the keys. Uh. (laughs) Uh, And so that was put into a positive
0: light. Sure. Yeah. So, and and I think a part of it, it, like the examples that I've seen where it's done well is when the people just own it. 100%. And it really, all it takes, in many ways, is personal ownership of the action and saying you're sorry. Because in a sense, the public knows
2: that people make mistakes. Like, that is just a mistake. Yeah, and they tweeted actually, again, I forget what it was, but they said something about we do great things, but don't forget, like, we're all human. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, again, like the strategy
0: isn't to avoid negative situations or negative press because you are going to do things where you mess up. It's more what are effective ways to own it and then move forward with the organization. In terms of capitalizing on, on big wins, I, I recently got this email in my inbox. I clicked on it. It was from IU Foundation. And I was like, oh, this, this is kind of interesting. I click on it. We're going to watch it. It's a video that they put together. It's like a, a thank you video. And it, it's just... Stood out to me because it it was like a way for IU to capitalize on its big wins and also thank people and also promote IU as a university. So we're going to watch this this thing that they sent out. As you watch that, what impressions is it? vote for you like just as you think about it as a seeing that what, what does it make you think about or what reactions you have
5: sincerity
0: sincerity okay yeah in what ways like and why why did it speak sincerity to you
5: Everything seemed really genuine and heartfelt uh huh uh-huh. so the way that the words uh, it's kind of like a conversation oh uh, yeah and
2: how the pictures kind of resemble what was being said not just from the pictures,
0: you know yeah well and even like the, the part of where i talk about self promotion or like uh when it's there's a lot of different causes that you can give to. You. It's, it's affirming that yeah, there's there's a lot of other good things going out there, but you picked IU, like so it isn't sort of like we're better, you know, we're the best, and so you should give to us. It's more like among many people out there, we're, we're glad that you saw us as worthy of
2: giving. Any other impressions, Thomas? It just says you a lot. So Thomas, Thomas talking about the person, it makes that person watching it think about themselves and mm-hmm. their role and the relationship with IU rather than it just being promotion about. You know, just talking about IU. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: no, that's very good. Other impressions or things. Yeah.
5: And the picture that stood out the most to me was the kind of like older gentleman with the graduation net. Uh-huh. And just like the look of excitement on his
0: mm-hmm.
1: face really just stood out to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So again, this was a, a thank you video. Like, you know, sometimes you get a thank you card and you're kind of like, ah, whatever. But like, you know, I see this and I'm like, it makes you proud to be affiliated and associated with you, Even if you didn't give, you're like, I use pretty good. Like, it's good to be a part of this institution. Like, look at what this institution is doing. And so it, they use this. It's a thank you note, but they use it to frame and tell a much larger story about IU. And I guarantee it's going to generate more and more engagement, involvement, contributions, because people walk away saying, wow, I want to be a part of that. I want to be contributing to that. And so for your marketing campaigns, we're going to walk through some of the, the aspects of it. Generally, so you're going to be writing up a marketing campaign for your nonprofit and to pull back, what is what is the the purpose of marketing? Like some of the just basic purposes of, of marketing an organization.
2: Yeah. Reach a broader audience. Okay. To reach a broader audience. When you say reach, what do you mean? Like to convey your message of what your organization is trying to accomplish to, the time, to make them aware of what your organization is.
0: Okay. And then I would say and then move them to action. So it's like you want to make them aware of your organization and then move them to some sort of act. So if it's, you know, again, this goes back to the stakeholders that if the action is to give then you want to move them to give. If the action is to volunteer, move them to volunteer. If it's to participate as a recipient, to move them to get involved. So a key point of marketing is not only making them aware, but then there's some sort of action that you're wanting to trigger. From that person. And so when you think about marketing, as, as we've talked about all these different things, and it's all sort of under the umbrella of, of marketing and communications, what have been some successful marketing campaigns that, that you can think of where you're like, wow, they just, it's all over the place. I'm bleeding it. Like it's just, it's a part of the fabric.
2: Yeah. So like Nike, okay. great. Like, in, in like, especially with LeBron, what? <laughs> He's done it for Cleveland uh-huh. last year. Like that story in itself is great for like, Nike, and they've been taking advantage of his story uh-huh. to for their brand. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, that's so
0: Nike is is known worldwide, and its associations with key people is significant. Yeah. I think going off
1: of Nike too, they gave a lot of free shoes to Olympic runners uh-huh. in the main events. I they had the bright colors on their shoes, so uh-huh. People saw their brand on a huge scale. Sure,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, and so again, if you think about it in terms of marketing with like Nike, it's awareness of the product, of the brand, and then the action is buy shoes, you know, buy the product. If you then think about in terms of nonprofits, so, you know, it's easy to think about marketing in the private sector because they have tons of money to do marketing. So and, and so I want to make the distinction between so there's there's marketing, sort of the advertising, big advertising, whether it's at the Olympics of just flooding the, the Olympics with money and, and promotions or, or movie trailers, like those are multi-million dollar advertising marketing campaigns. What I'm more interested in is what I'll call like social. Marketing campaigns, ones that are very low cost, but they go viral, and in a sense, they they accomplish the same thing of bringing brand awareness, but then going more widespread. Yeah.
3: Was that like ALS ice
0: cream? Oh yeah, the bucket challenge.
2: challenge. Thing. Yeah. know, of
0: like viral, and it costs them essentially nothing.
1: Aaron. I was going to say, I remember the uh, Vote for Coney campaign, uh-huh. we until the guy kind of went wild and got naked, and- <laughs>
2: <laughs> but that campaign was like huge, I remember everyone was sure. like, watching that
0: video and it was just, like all over, Yeah, we I'm talking good. about it at school and everything. So when you think about the marketing campaign for your organization, don't think multi-million dollar ads, but think more in terms of what are the social marketing things that you can do to expand awareness of your organization and trigger some sort of action or involvement. And what are (laughs) some successful marketing campaigns? And not private sector for-profit marketing, but more a non-profit sector Marketing campaigns, things that are what I would call social marketing, in many ways have gone viral.
2: Yeah.
4: So Louisville um, Orchestra and Symphony, like the guy, their director, like goes out in public and has public performances in order to draw people into concert.
0: Okay. Yeah. Innovation within that one expands people's exposure versus requiring them to come in. Yeah.
5: Starbucks just doubled down on their holiday cups. Last year, the red ones had a big deal. And I released some set of
0: green ones that were similar to keep that green marketing going. Ah. Uh-huh. So what was the big deal about the red ones? That they <laughs> were red?
5: It used to be that they had a different appeal in general, and they appealed more to the Christian sector. Uh-huh. And then like, what happened is that they last year, it was a red cup, and it had a logo on the front, and it appealed more to just the holiday thing. Uh-huh. And so they were putting Starbucks and taking the Christ out of Christmas and stuff like this, and it went viral, and then it went viral for drawing on the cups. And this year, they released a green one instead of a red one that has a same small image on it, and they put one or two things in it to make people have something to talk about. Uh-huh. But I think it was estimated that they had like $1.3 billion worth of free marketing yeah, over what cups. happened last year through just everybody talking about it. Yeah, yeah. They doubled down on it again this year, and you just can't beat it. Because now <laughs> people want to go see the Cup.
0: Ah, yeah. So any I mean, others that come to mind that you think of as effective yeah. campaigns? businesses have marketing departments and they have huge teams of marketers. You think of like the auto industry and the marketing that they do with cars is on a scale that's just unparalleled to what non-profits can do, but non-profits have an opportunity to be innovative to tap into social trends, and help generate ideas that would spread widely <laughs> at low cost. And what are some of those that you can recall,
1: yeah?
4: This is, like, super strange, and this is another person's situation, but, like, I know people, like, when they get drinking tickets, they have to volunteer certain hours. sometimes if they're going to get appealed, and there's, like, a list of, like, five, it's, like, goodwill, and, like, just think of how many kids here get drinking tickets, and then that list just gets, like, given to all these kids, and it's, like... Goodwill, I don't know, like the basic, like, easy to volunteer. Uh-huh. They probably get so many volunteers just because like, they have this list of five places.
0: Sure. How does an organization get on that list, you know?
4: I don't know. I just remember, like, freshman year, everybody, like,
0: volunteer. So you're familiar with this list pretty well?
4: No.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: Eric? Yeah, I was going to say the Vote for County campaign was pretty inexpensive,
0: because it was just like a YouTube video. Uh-huh. I think <laughs> it Yeah. YouTube. To me, I'm fascinated by these campaigns, because regardless of the cause, in many ways, it's more the social phenomena linked to how these things go viral or what things catch on. And we only see the ones that catch on. There's thousands of others that attempt it, but just fall flat. And as you guys think about your marketing campaign and even the ones that you're aware of that are good, what are some of the characteristics of ones that are effective? Now these are social marketing campaigns, not big commercials and billboards and all these things, but more economically feasible type of ones where you actually use social relationships to expand your market. What are some of the characteristics of the ones that do go viral?
4: They're really relevant like, in and like and present in day to day trivial things, uh-huh. um, like social media or like word of mouth. If they're just very present where you wouldn't expect. Where so you come across
0: them
1: in everyday life. in places
4: that you wouldn't be.
0: Yeah, an easily
1: transferable brain. They make you want to care. They make you want to buy into what they're selling. Uh-huh. a and make you feel. That you're a part of it already, or that you can be a part of it by uh-huh. just
0: doing what they're asking. Sure. Yeah. And so it's easy to I care about this. I want to do something. There's like an easy step.
3: Yeah. Kind of gives you a sense of belonging when they pitch the campaign, and you just kind of feel like I need
2: to be a part of this. Like uh-huh. this is something that. In need Yeah. And there's I would say a
0: tangible way for you to demonstrate that you are a part of it, like, I mean, I even think, I'm not sure how popular this is now, but like with Facebook, of changing your profile picture to symbolize or to acknowledge, like, hey, I'm a part of this movement, and I'm, you know, all these people are switching it for this period of time.
2: They're also usually very short and concise. It doesn't require much of your attention, maybe 30 seconds of your time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like the bucket challenge, the yeah. videos were never no longer than 20 seconds. Yeah,
0: very simple. If it gets complicated. Even I know sometimes people ask me to do something, I'll go and click on the website and will be like, you know, I just get stopped through the process because it's like, okay, this is too much. I just need a simple. Well, so these are the things that I want you to incorporate into your marketing plan. You know, something that's a compelling cause, like make sure that what you're promoting is compelling. The idea of a low barrier is that it doesn't take much to get involved, like sort of Brandon was saying, it's like, oh I care about this and then what can I do? But it has to be a low barrier of what you do. Simple, action-oriented, meaning a marketing campaign should require or involve action on the part of the recipient. You know, I see it, and it should give me steps to take to take action, whether it's to give, whether it's to volunteer, whether it's to wear a t-shirt, whether it's to put on a bracelet, something in there. Built-in growth potential. So a lot of campaigns are really good, but there's not a model for how to expand this. So like the ALS one is actually really good because it's unlimited how much it can grow. It doesn't require the infrastructure, it's just all self-done. And so the more people that get involved, they can just grow exponentially. And then celebrity participation, really with like ALS The reason why it took off was because Zuckerberg and a few other key celebrities did it. So if you watch the trends of the number of videos posted, there are key points and they are typically celebrities that cause this huge spike in more and more people doing the ALS challenge. So when you put together your marketing campaign, the three things you need to focus on is identifying your audience, When you do a campaign, you have multiple stakeholders and you're going to be writing about your stakeholders. I want you to pick one of your stakeholders to be the target of your campaign. And then identify the purpose of your campaign. So it isn't just, oh, we want to advertise our organization. But it has to be like, hey, we're launching volunteer month or something. You want to have a purpose or a focus of your campaign versus just generic, like, look at us, we're a great organization. And then identify your hook or your medium. And this is that action-oriented thing like buy a t-shirt or post this on social media or whatever sort of the hook is that's gonna translate into action of your target audience. And then if it goes viral, if you have an idea for how to make it go viral, that's great, but most people don't know how to do that. Even the ones that do go viral, they don't know why it did, but they're glad that it did. So that's the marketing campaign stuff.